This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. So I'm walking around the ICAD conference and a lot of people in suits, a lot of doctor, scholarly, professor-looking people. I come around a corner. There's a guy with a nice five o'clock shadow wearing a nice comfy-looking shirt standing in front of a surfboard. And he's relaxed. That's what. That's the first thing I noticed about him was that he was relaxed. And I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to get him on this show. I want to figure out what he's doing. Because here in London, he's got a surfboard. And, it, and it's based on the knowledge that I have, the very limited knowledge of geography that I have, there's some water between you guys and France. And, and you are an island. But you don't really surf around here, or do you? So most of the uh, surfing in the UK is in the southwest, down is, in, in, in Cornwall and Devon, which is, is a good four, four to six hour drive from London. Is it good surfing? Yeah, it's excellent. It's the, it's the Atlantic Ocean. It's really great surfing. It's just uh, <laughs> cold and a bit windy, windy and uh, it takes a while to get there, but it's worth it. So you, get there. you can tell by Josh's voice that he's, he's mellow, he's relaxed, and this is something that I've always... I was in Costa Rica and I watched four different people get out into the waves. Yeah. All right. And I saw the warriors. They would run out and get dashed and run out and get dashed yeah. and scream at the waves and run out and get dashed. And I saw the wizards and they would paddle out past the break and watch, watch the other surfers and watch the break and time the time the waves. And I watched the bards who spent most of the time on the on the beach taking pictures and yeah. and live streaming that they were going to go surf but then i watched the jesters this toyota corolla would roll up busted down pouring smoke out of the back get out pink tattered jean shorts that are sun bleached drink some water out of a gallon jug eat some peanut butter out of a jar open the back pull a surfboard out of something that looks like they've been sleeping on it and ride each wave like they were home. Sure. Like, like, like they, they, there was no separation between and they were relaxed and they were mellow and they weren't doing it for anybody and there were no phones out Instagramming the experience and they weren't battling the ocean and they were studying nothing. Yeah. They were just being. They would look like that, but beforehand, so you're talking about the what we call uh, the, the nice sort of easy definition of flow, which is effortless effort. Wow. Yeah, we call that effortless effort, but to get into effortless effort, there has to be a huge amount of work going on behind the scenes. So it's a bit like training, training for a fight or training for the football game or whatever it is. Hard practice results in effortless effort. So that the guys I know who are really good, really at one with nature and everything. They, they've done all that hard work in the gym and kept their fitness up and checked their diet and all that. But when they're actually doing it, they're at one because they're, they're not fighting it, they're going with it. 
Josh, you are the founder and the owner of Resurface. That's correct, yeah. Um, great double entendre because the word surf is in there. Sure. And you guys use surfing in your program. It's yes, a one-week treatment program. Exactly. It's a one-week uh, surf therapy retreat. Um, we started out doing it in England, but now we do it uh, primarily in Morocco. And it's, it's, it's definitely a surf therapy retreat. So it's not like a surf camp or a yoga surf camp, which they're, they're amazing. I've been on many of them. I love them. But what we do is we cater for, we use surfing as a, as a means to another end. And that end is to really help facilitate a therapeutic process in the afternoons. We do group therapy and mindfulness and things in the afternoons. And there's something about teaching people to surf. We have a great surf teaching team. Is it allows people to master something new. They often will get into flow states, which I hope we'll talk about in a sec. Definitely. And uh, that warm afterglow of having been in flow, that the there's a whole load of sort of biochemical things that go on in the brain when you get into flow. But when you come out of a flow state, you, you change from being um, in the theta brainwave states into the delta brainwave states. And those delta brainwave states are when you have that warm glow, you feel great. It's the, it's, the feel, it's the feeling you have at the end of the day when you're sitting on the sofa and you're just warm and you're just fully satisfied. And when you're in that delta brainwave state, you're much more open. It's a very creative state and it allows for great group therapy because people have done this activity together, they're bonded, they've had a laugh and then they're in this state of consciousness, this altered state of consciousness where they're very open to each other, empathy rises, the ability to trust others rises. So it allows us to, to do some really great group therapy work in the afternoon. So this, just, this isn't just, um, hey, this is a chill surf camp. It's, it's not, You're it's, the head clinician there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's your background? So I'm, a, I'm an accredited EMDR therapist. I'm an accredited addictions counselor. Um, and I'm also a positive psychologist. Okay. So I've done, you know, I, I've got a lot of, you know, background. In You've academia. been to school. I've been to school <laughs> and I've been on the front line of addiction treatment for a long time now. And, you know, looking for something that I could... Think, you know, there's some brilliant guys out there doing excellent work, and I was sure. just looking to do something that could help that. You know, that that uh, what we do at Resurface is either a stepping stone or a boost for people's recovery processes, and it's not just for people in recovery. Do they do, do they tend to come to you before going to treatment, after treatment, so, in 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 lieu so, of? So I, this is you know the demographic. <laughs> the demographic is. Um, some people who are 30, days, 30, 60 days clean in treatment. Some people who are just contemplating learning about a group process. Uh, in Mar March this year, we had someone who's 30 years plus sober. Wow. It's, but also, 50% of the people coming aren't recovery-based. They're just people either who maybe have been depressed or struggled or looking wow. for new meaning in their life. Or um, primarily, I, you know, my sort of niche within the industry when I worked in rehab, etc., is um, I worked a lot with trauma, a lot of PTSD and sure. developmental trauma. So the, in, the first retreats I did were I called trauma resolution retreats. Okay. And it sort of expanded to that. Now we're doing positive psychology and creativity too. Okay, so we, we started out talking about the flow state. Yeah. You brought up flow state yeah. over there. I brought up a 
a talk I watched David Data do about function, flow, and glow. Sure. His definition of flow and flow state seemed to match with yours. So start with your, what is flow state? Because okay. you said it's actually brain waves, like this flow, is actually flow, consciousness. Flow, flow is actually an altered state of consciousness. And when you're in a flow state, you're at your optimal best. And when you're at your optimal best, you're completely maxed out. And the effortless effort comes from the fact that you are operating at one with the moment. And so when people are in flow, decisions become very easy or second nature. But to get into flow requires a certain process. So jazz musicians call it being in the pocket. Basketball players call it being in the zone. Cricketers call it being in the zone. Footballers, you know, artists saying you know they're at one with the at one with the music, etc. These these are all terms that you'll you'll hear. Sure. Um, people and they're describing flow states. And and what's amazing about flow is when you're in it, you don't really feel anything. But when you come out of it, you feel amazing. Talk to kids who skateboard. Kids, yeah. kids who skateboard. Snowboarding, skateboarding, whitewater rafting. Particularly particularly skateboarders though. Is, you know, they're usually young, they're usually coming from quite troubled homes, um, they're usually smoking a bit of pot, you know, they're angry, they're, they're not quite sure where they fit in, they go skateboarding. You, this is, you hear this in when you interview the kids, they tell you for, for those two hours they're not thinking about anything else. They cannot, they're totally at one with what they're doing. They're mastering something new and pushing themselves forward and they're at one with something. For those two to four hours, they're not thinking about their alcoholic mom. They're not thinking about their brother who's joined a gang. They're not thinking about their friends who want them to come shoplifting. They're not thinking about any of these things. They're totally at one with the process. And that's quite a dramatic, I'm using quite a dramatic example there. But you can extrapolate from that to anything. So when people are learning to rock climb or surf or snowboard or horse ride or re-engage with painting or playing the piano, etc., all these activities that generate flow. It's a form of almost like, I call it like forced mindfulness. You, you're just, you're forced to be in, in the moment. And when you're in the moment, it's so gratifying that you want to keep going with it. Can you, can you teach somebody to experience this within a week's time? Absolutely, you can, you can teach someone to get into flow in their first session. Because all it requires for flow is that your skill set has to meet the challenge. Wow. So. If I'm, uh, let's say, uh, I'll use a UK-based example here. I'm going to play uh, what you call soccer. Yeah. And I'm going to play soccer, and I'm suddenly put on the, on the pitch to play against, with Manchester United, one of the biggest teams in the world. If I'm put on that pitch, yeah, there's absolutely no way I'm going to get into the flow. All that's going to happen is I'm probably going to have a panic attack, but I'm going to be in <laughs> high anxiety. My skill set doesn't ma match the challenge. Right. If I'm going to play soccer with uh, my sort of four-year-old nieces and nephews, at the very best, I'm going to be relaxed because my skill set is way above the challenge. You need a challenge, a skill set. Your abilities must meet the challenge. So when you're a beginner surfer, the very gentle white water that you're learning in it's highly challenging. And so you need to rise, rise to that challenge. So the thing with flow is you need to keep putting the challenge level up. And so this is why when you first learn to ski or something, you, learn, you can get into that, feel amazing going down the gentlest slope. And over time, as your skill level gets higher, right, and so on and so on and so on. And the, and the research is really interesting. They actually find that 
to really get into optimal flow states, the challenge has to be 4% above your, your ability. So, so this is this is just not just above what you would expect. You're not talking about like a some theory that no, you no, contrived real. when you were no. living out of the back of your such and so no, no, surfing. This not is this is some science. Totally. The, the the real pioneer of flow research was Chick Semtai in the University of Chicago in the 90s. But there's a lot of the whole positive psychology movement <laughs> has pushed this. Martin Seligman, all the guys at University of Pennsylvania, Angela Duckworth, wow. these kind of people. Also, as someone I really uh, like is uh, to read and stuff. He's got some great um, TED Talks, etc. Stephen Kotler at the Flow Genome Project. He's a great journalist, but he talks a lot about flow. And there's there's a, there's a huge amount of research and about what actually goes on in the brain when you're in flow. There's when you when people are in flow, they they talk about time standing still. And the reason for that is actually the front prefrontal cortex switches off when you're in flow and you lose that sense of time. It's called hypofrontality. So that's why like, some surfers report that when they go in a tube, it's like in slow motion. And it's the same thing that happens when you're in a horrible car crash and you think that the car's flipping over because again, the prefrontal cortex is switched off and the, is that, is and the that limbic a, system is taken over. So is that a survival? Ta tactic of the brain? Yeah, or absolutely. Because okay. what it is, is this is when you're working with trauma, you find this out. Right. When you're in a what we call a high arousal situation, the prefrontal cortex, which is the most rational, the thinking right. part of the brain, etc., has to switch off because it's quite slow. To process to information. Process everything. It, it's very incredibly powerful, <coughs> but slow. And the limbic system takes over, which is much faster. Fight, flight, freeze, faint, fornicate, yeah. feed. Like it, we're going to yeah. give it six options boom. at most. Yeah, and boom, straight away, bang. Okay. Flow is slightly different to that, but a similar thing is happening. So the prefrontal cortex switches off, and, the, and the, the, um, they call that, as I think I said earlier, hypofrontality. And the, uh, the limbic system is just racing away. And you're completely maxed out um, in terms of bits of information that you can take at once. The Chick Semihai talks about this. So you and I are talking right now. Right. And I, I don't know whether this is a metaphor or it's actually real, but they, he reckons that we can take about 120 bits of information a second. You and I talking now is about 60 or 70. So I speak, you listen, you process it, you respond, and, and vice versa. And that's quite manageable. You look like you're following me. Yeah. So you're able to do this. Someone else comes over now at a conference, starts speaking to us. We can just about keep up, but it's really difficult. We have to concentrate. You might get a bit anxious because you haven't quite heard properly, etc. Fourth button comes in. We just go, oh, please shut up. I'm trying to concentrate here. You know, that's what Chuk Semahai is talking about in terms of the sort of bandwidth that we can take at once. And when you're in flow, you are completely maxed out. <laughs> and it's when you come out of the flow state that you, you start to process. I mean, the, the, the research from McKinsey and people is that when you're in flow, you take in information about five to 700% higher um, than in a normal state. Okay. So it's, flow states are all about creativity and learning and integrating. The thing about them though, is they take up a lot of energy. So you can't be in them all the time. Okay, so so this takes us two places that I have to make sure we get to before we wrap yeah, sure. down, okay? The first one is, you know, what are the benefits of going going okay. into this place? Yeah. Why, why are we utilizing this? And second, how 
by ourselves on our own can we get ourselves or how do parents create situations to get their kids into this once they know okay, the benefits sure. so let's start with the benefits, the benefits why would i look into flow state or as a parent do do this research or a teacher or a clinician yeah. to, to help my clients or my kids what are they going to get from tapping into flow space okay so montessori schools completely yeah. set up not knowing even about flow, all designed around the two-hour flow state. No kidding. That huge amount of that. Did you, did you no, wait a second. You just said two-hour flow state. Yeah. So we can roughly. They find that you can be in flow for a maximum of up to about two hours. And then what? Then you just you, you burn up all the energy and you need to come out and you need to start processing. Are there any superheroes out there that can hold are, on to flow state longer? No. What they find is that you can. Some of the super <coughs> athletes are able to get into flow twice a day. Really? Yeah. If they're really super, as long as they like have loads of sleep. And well, that blows my theory about myself. <laughs> but to go back to okay, what what, what flow requires is it requires um, pure focus. So open plan offices are, are a nightmare for flow. This is why nowadays people are returning to having a room in the afternoon where they can't be disturbed for two hours. Yeah. You know how we always say the CEO gets up early to catch the early worm. You know. I'm up stuff. at five. But the reason for that is not. It's not the actual getting up early that, that it's about. It's actually the non-interruption. So a CEO has two hours a day where he's not delegating. He's able to just focus and not be interrupted. And that's one of the most important things about flow state is you need to be able to focus. And there, there are two things that create focus. One is space and chilled outness and quiet. And the other, the other one is a sense of danger or excitement. That focuses the mind. So that's why the extreme athletes have that ability to really focus, is because if they don't focus, it goes horribly wrong. But we have to create a conditioned environment to generate flow. So it has to either be, you know, where you're not going to be interrupted, or there's an element of danger. So for example, sitting here with you, I was pretty relaxed when I came over. It's very nice to hear you describing me as relaxed, etc. But just before we started, I had a spike of anxiety. But that I, I now know that that's a good thing because it's prepping me, it's priming me to get in the conversation. And so you kind of need that, if you take that principle, that like as long as you're not too overwhelmed, that's what's going to get you into the flow state. So you need, that, you need that excitement and you need that focus and you need the environment to be set up for it. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to get, personally, I'm going to get into flow uh, playing my guitar, I'm going to get into flow. Having a great conversation with someone, I'm going to get into flow. Um, surfing, snowboarding. Um, I'm not going to get into flow in the kitchen, cooking. I quite enjoy it, but I don't really have the skill set. I'm not interested in it enough. So there's another element. It's got to be something that you're really interested in and enjoy. Okay, okay so I get into flow on stage. Yeah. When I get up on stage and I'm talking to an audience, yeah, you're there. I'm, I'm, I'm in the zone. Yeah. I'm in the pocket. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely in flow. What are the benefits of it? Like, okay, what am so, I getting from it? So, not only are you feeling great. Yeah. In the moment. In the moment. Okay. You not only no, and also afterwards. Ah. Afterwards, because the flow state lasts for about two or three days in the background. Oh. So it's transient. It wears off, but, but you learn in, in the flow state. You, you, you learn and integrate so much faster. As I say, McKinsey's report show about five to seven hundred percent increase in learning in flow. So, 
you integrate and take all this information in and you process it. And as Chick Sentmihai says, every time you come out of a flow state, you're a more integrated human being. Wow. So you are, and also just think about that tremendous sense of self-worth and self-esteem you get from doing something really well. Right. Because self-esteem is about, has two components. Am I able and am I worthy? Well, when you've been in a flow state and you're at one with what you're doing, you're definitely able. And that sense of being worthy comes from doing things well. You know, that one of the best ways of, of increasing someone's self-esteem is, is to help encourage them to set goals and achieve those goals. But they have to be realistic goals. And from that sense of worth and sense of achievement um, is a raising of self-esteem. And that's what we want everyone to have, don't we? We want everyone to have a sense of strong self-esteem. Okay, so now how do, as a parent, so, yeah. so the benefits, the, the increased ability to learn, the, the confidence building, okay. So now I got a 12-year-old kid, yeah. they're adopted, They've got adoption trauma, yeah. it, you know, which which is a massive ego yeah. crusher, yeah. right? How can I begin to build this environment at home with the kid? I, I remember the first thing you said is is having pure focus time. Yeah. What else needs to so be in place? I, I would I would say so. Really important things are. Uh, um, really healthy diet, nutrition, etc. Um, an introduction to mindfulness. I mean, one of the, I, mindfulness is such an important tool in everything I do, but I always have to give it with a caveat. I always have to explain that mindfulness, for me, is a useful tool. Because technically, mindfulness is non-judgmental uh, attention in the moment. But I say, from that, being able to do that, you can start to really, um, you can start to, uh, really learn about yourself and, and also you know the mindfulness teaches you that those feelings that you're having don't last forever wow yeah so so that the, the, even the there's like Bessel van der Kolk's work on the importance of interoception and, and mindfulness is, is to teach people that those negative feelings that you're experiencing don't last forever and that you can actually be with them and sit with them and, and so mindfulness is something that is, is really important to help learning how to focus as well. But you know, teaching sleep and and allowing, you know, this is one of the beautiful things about, you know, they say Montessori and these and other techniques is you, you create the, the educational environment for them and then the child does what they want to do. Because they kind of know where their learning needs to take place. And it's the same thing with an adolescent and an adult is treat them with allow them their autonomy. So I might want my child to uh, learn to flow on the piano, but they might not be interested in the piano. They, they, want, they want to paint pictures. So it's creating an environment that's going to suit their passion. I mean, Seligman, Martin Seligman talks about you can only get into flow states using your top five, five or so character strengths. Anyone who's using their low character strengths, um, the feeling of, of doing something is relief that, it's, that the activity's over. Right. So you want to encourage your child or whoever you're working with to be utilizing their top character strengths in the activities they're doing. So you don't want to be forcing them to, let's say they're really good at writing and painting, but, and you're making them do loads of physics and maths. They're not going to get into flow then. <laughs> 
even if you give them a great tutor and loads of time to do it. So you keep that that slight edge of danger on something they're already very comfortable and good at yes, doing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And if they don't know what they're doing, they're good at, that's where the work starts. Right. Just ask them to tell you everything they love and then try things out. How does how does we're we're wrapping around to the yeah. end here. How sure. does I, I want to, first of all, I want to do a longer show with you. I'd love to. Let's, let's do I'm going to follow yeah. up with you. Uh, we'll get a, get a nice 45 minute yeah, without the ambient yeah. noise, but this was a great introduction. How does a family, a parent, um, a person find Surface? Resurface. Resurface, I'm sorry. How does, yeah, so, a, how so does a family find Resurface? They can contact me um, or contact us online, www.resurfaceuk.com or uh, on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Resurface UK. And uh, same thing on Facebook, okay. Resurface UK. And uh, happily just send, send me an email, get in touch any way that works for you. And What's I'd an email? Uh, info at resurfaceuk.com. Okay. And uh, feel free to contact in any way. And, and there's all the loads of details about what we do online and there's links to our research. and and uh, our great surf teacher and, and yoga teachers and etc who are all part of the package perfect yeah it's been great to talk josh dixon thank you so much um stick with me. me it's my pleasure stick with me as i uh, uh lead us out and uh, uh we'll be able to shake hands before we go lovely all Thanks right very much thank you This has been Beyond Risk and Back, live from London at the International Addictions and Associated Disorders Conference. I want to give a lot of thanks to ICAD here in London, also to Mental Health News Radio Network and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Remember parents, take care of yourselves first, take care of your adult relationships second, and take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. Thanks for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast. We'll see you next week.